0: Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast, I'm Mike.
1: And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 169.
0: 169, that's crazy. I cannot believe that we've done 169 episodes. And you know what's really cool about this episode? Is we are finally back in the studio together. That is true. It's been over two weeks. Yeah. Two and and a half weeks since we've actually seen each other face to face. So this is kind of a a cool moment. Yeah, it's it's, kind of, I mean,
1: I like being on the road, but it's kind of nice to go back home. Right. right. To be centered in. And it's funny you say we're at episode 169. Somebody had commented on Instagram that they just started listening to us in mid-May. They went through all 168 and now they don't know what to do. And <laughs> well, I'm like, wow, that, what a compliment, right? But that's a that's a lot of, that's 168 hours if you as a podcast. So we appreciate every single one of you have been listening to the podcast since day one or since yesterday.
0: Yeah, I don't know whether to thank you or to apologize because that's <laughs> yeah, a, right? that's a lot of us in your ears, but we appreciate that, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: So, with that all being said, we have a level up. No, we don't have a level up review. I love our organic podcast. Yeah, what what are we calling these hustle? These were called hustle sessions, but just interviews. But we're not big enough where people are like, "Hey, did you catch the latest hustle session?" You know. So, but anyways, outside of that, we have an amazing guest today. We always like bringing a variety of guests, right from. Amazon to eBay to people that do both to people that are scaling and like living in management. Well, we haven't had that yet, but you know, we try to keep know. it real. I don't know where everybody lives. Yeah, that is true. That is true. That is true. But I always love hearing a different perspective. So, our guest today, he's definitely known on Instagram for buying a lot of big items and shipping those out and also being very transparent about his beginnings, where he's at, and, and what he's dealing with. So, I am very thrilled to bring on Brandon flipping a dollar on Instagram onto the podcast. Hey Brandon, how you doing? Hey, so I'm wonderful. Happy to be here. We we're pumped. I've been waiting for this and, and I'm glad that you know, all the technical stuff is working out so far. So why don't you tell us who you are and what you're about?
2: Well, my name is Brandon. Um, I have lived in Minnesota within a couple hours of the the twin cities my whole life. Um, I have been kind of reselling my whole life without really knowing I was reselling my whole life, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm like a chronic saver. And so anytime I could get a good deal on something, uh, in high school, I bought like a wrestling mat, uh, a whole 30 by 30 school size wrestling mat, just because I wanted one for my house. Um, And ended up cutting it up into nine different sections and selling eight of those sections. And then that paid for my single section plus so much more. And so I've been kind of doing
0: that on the side my whole life and I've really enjoyed it. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's amazing that how many of the people that we interview, I mean, I know I was that way, kind of started when they were in high school, like the hustle is always there. And like you said, you don't always know what to call it. You might not say like, Hey, I'm a reseller, but you're always trying to flip something or find a way to, to do something. So would you say like high school is when that like really started to, to show for you, like the, the whole hustle? You know, I wanted to
2: be a firefighter, and so, like my focus wasn't on business at all. It wasn't anything like it. I just I wanted nicer things. And the only way that I would justify buying it is if I knew I could sell it back later and either break even or make a little money on it. So
1: I'm interested uh, about that the wrestling happen, mat, though so explain that to me. So you well, okay, <laughs> number one you're in high school, what made you think of I'm gonna buy a wrestling mat. And on top of that, what made you think I'm gonna split it? And then who bought it?
2: Well, um, wrestling in the Midwest is, you know, pretty big. It's yeah, as big yeah. as it is anywhere else. I had
1: one year of college of wrestling, believe it or not. I lost every match, but it's all good.
2: <laughs> well, you went further than I did. Um, so I, I was really into wrestling. I wanted to get better. My idea was if I could get really good at wrestling, I could get college paid for. And that didn't work out. But um, I found a school wrestling mat on eBay for $1,800. And I knew a guy that was going through Ohio at the time, and he said he'd he would take, I think, like three hundred to do it. And at the time, a ten foot by ten foot wrestling mat was five hundred dollars. Huh. And so it's like, wow, for twenty one hundred dollars I could get nine sections. That's like forty five hundred dollars worth of wrestling mats. And so I ended who, th- up who it thinks like it.
1: that at eighteen though? Did you think I that, that was that I would never have thought of that. Maybe I'm just behind. Is it just me? Maybe. I don't know. All right, sorry. I'm just I'm just mesmerizing.
2: All right, go ahead. Well, and I mean, and I had the $2,100 because I just, I hated spending money. And so I was mowing lawns and I was shoveling snow and had a little bit of cash built up, but it was fun. So who bought so it I, from I you? I got my first split. Who, ba- who uh, bought them? Wrestling parents in the area. Okay. Um, it sold really fast. Like I threw it up on Craigslist and it was gone within a week.
0: Nice. Right. So yeah. what was your journey from, I mean, I think we've all, when we were younger, had kind of dreams. I I had I vision, uh, you know, for a long time, like military or police or other things like that. Um, and then my my path just totally changed. So what was the, the kind of trajectory to get you to um, where you were, to whatever you went through, and then ultimately to reselling?
2: I mean, I had a weird path. Um, I went to college. Uh, I was thinking I was going for marketing. Uh, school was super expensive. The economy crashed in 2008, 2009. And I uh, started kind of a painting business between my freshman and what should have been my sophomore year of college. And I made decent money to the point where I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go super into debt and like continue to go to college. And uh, I found a motel for sale uh, in a town I'd never heard of, two hours away. And uh, I put an offer in and I bought it sight unseen. Wow. Um, It was cheaper than buying a house, which was my plan of Uh action. And then all of a sudden, I owned a motel. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So Uh, take us through the process. Like down payment. Did you have your own cash? Did you have to take a loan? Like how did you get approved? I mean, there's probably several hoops you had to jump through at that age.
2: There's a lot of hoops. Um, it, it, ended up being a hard money loan. Um, I was paying 10% interest wow. for like five years, mm. which, uh, the investor made good money on it, but yeah. the motel was only a hundred thousand dollars. So, I mean, you guys live in San Diego, you can't <laughs> yeah. buy a parking spot for hundred no. thousand right. dollars. This was uh, 24 rooms, living <sighs> quarters and everything. And so, uh, I had that for, uh, I lived on site for eight years and then I sold it three years ago. But uh, about four or five years into that, I uh, married my wife. And then um, I wasn't really reselling at any of that time. I was buying things and reselling them. But again, it was that personal use thing. I bought a jet boat again when I was in high school. And uh, rent. I, that was a great deal. It was a Kawasaki Jet Mate. It looks like a bathtub with a joystick. It's, it's a bizarre boat. But I paid about $900 for it. I rented it out for a week for $250 without any insurance so that brought my cost down even further. And then I sold it right before college for 1650 Nice. And I'm still kicking myself because that boat now is worth like four or $5,000. It's oh. like a crazy collector item. Um, back to the story. So, uh, how I got into reselling was um, it was more about opportunities, and my wife and I were engaged. wanted to figure out how are we going to pay for our wedding, and at that time, LED light bulbs just crashed in price. Mm. They were like ten, twelve dollars a piece, and then they went down to two dollars a piece. And this guy in like a minivan, I'll never forget, whipped into the motel and said, "Do you want free light bulbs?" <laughs> and I said, "Sure." And so he said, like. The rebate was $8 a light bulb. And so he said, I'll sell you light bulbs for $8. And uh, so you'll pay me and then you'll fill out this form and I'll make it easy for you. And then you'll get a check from, uh, it was either the utility companies or uh, the state of Minnesota, something. And so um, I did that and I thought, this is very strange what's going on here. (laughs) And I realized that I sold, I way overpaid for the light bulbs, but they were free for me. You know, it was just like a weird loophole in the government. And so I thought, all right, well, if he did that to me, I could go to a different hotel and do that to them. Mm. And so I did that. And uh, I mean, like in one day, we made $6,000 and wow. I thought, this is <laughs> what? crazy. Okay. Uh, and we incorporated, we did all that. Uh, we had an official LLC and everything for about like three months when that before that loophole shut. But uh, that was fun. Um, and so then fast forward a couple of years and my wife was, uh, she worked at Target corporate, uh, but she quit to come, uh, work and live at the motel with me, which is not an upgrade, by the way. She I want to hear here. more about the motel. Yeah. Okay,
1: can we, can we, can we stop there for a moment? Cause I'm really, I'm really intrigued well. about like you buy a, okay. I'm just imagining how old were you when you bought this motel?
2: I just turned 19.
1: Okay, you just turned 19. Okay, now, as a 40-year-old, actually, as a 41-year-old now, sadness. Just My birthday just passed. But anyways, I understand that like if I bought a motel, I would need a staff to clean, right? I would need to have some kind of security or whatever. I would need to have money reserved, right, for refunds or whatever. I mean, there's so many pieces I don't even know about. I'm sure there's insurance that you need. I'm sure there's you know, how do you deal with the parking spots? Like, there's just so much that goes into it. So how did you manage that at 19?
2: Uh, just aggressively blind ambition. I really thought highly of myself and thought, mm. I can do this. This is a simple business. I can do that. Um, And like, I mean, nothing in this world is really that difficult. I mean, I'm sure getting to Mars is crazy difficult, but I mean, most things you can just Google and Mm. YouTube was around. There was no like motel (laughs) moguls on YouTube. Like, uh, you guys are for flipping telling people how to do stuff. But, um, you just learn. I, the biggest hurdle for me was I was two hours away from my friends and my family. Mm. Um, so those were my resources. And so, uh, and because, you know, the motel is a 24 hour business, I really never left the property. It was like a little prison for me. Um, which made it difficult to kind of like integrate into the community. Um, but, you know, over time I built a staff and it wasn't just me cleaning rooms and checking people in and everything. Um, it, it's anything, it, it's just, it's easier than you'd expect is what I want to say.
0: Yeah. When I can imagine like even with 10% interest, which I mean, that's obviously crazy. It's, it's way more than you'd have to pay on a mortgage or, or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that, like you said, a hundred thousand dollars. If you would have bought a house, I don't know what the market was like back then. I mean, the market had just crashed. So it was probably about a hundred thousand dollars, maybe the last $70,000 for a home, but you have this, so you're living there and then you've got other people literally paying, you know, to for your house, for where you're staying. Um, yeah. So so would you say that it was like super successful? Was it something that you, you, as you were going through, you're like, man, this is like the dream. I'm just pulling in cash.
2: So I would say the first like two or three years it was like wow I am doing it and uh, I got uh, I don't know if I'd call it luck but there was a huge hailstorm that hit the motel within six months of me purchasing it which like I mean, a huge hailstorm which was a huge gift because insurance paid for me to have a brand new roof and then it filled the motel for six months with a bunch of roofing contractors. Wow. Huh. And so I went from like what am I doing? Why did I buy this thing? To, Hey, the rooms are full. And I kind of, that built up my reserve capital to the point where I never really had to look back after that. So financially I would say success, but like lifestyle, it, it was not, you know, mm-hmm. it, uh, pulled me away from friends and family and it wasn't the kind of business that I would want to go into again just because of that.
0: Interesting. Now, would it have been worth it? Um, if you would have, let's say like, I'm going to get a manager who's going to kind of manage this for me and maybe you still live there. So it's like your house, but it's all being paid for. You've got a manager or were you trying to like run the whole ship yourself?
2: Well, I, uh, I had to run the whole ship myself. I tried to do the manager route. Um, and that just didn't work. It didn't bring in enough revenue. Mm. Um, with 24 rooms, we really, the 24 rooms in the market we were in, uh, we had a bit of a ceiling about this is as good as this building can get. And that doesn't include a full-time manager with me living off of the property. Mm. So, um, yeah, we kind of hit our ceiling.
1: All right. So now I, I don't know how much we want to fast forward. You had the hotel until when?
2: It's complicated. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, I sold it on a contract for deed. So I'm acting as the bank essentially. Uh, That was three years ago.
1: Okay, so you still own it, is what
2: you're saying? Kind of. It's complicated.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so let's rewind a little bit because we got a little bit too fast forward then. So you met, you, you met your wife. Yep. And then you, the light bulb story happened. And then what, what happened after the light bulbs? So you, had, you, uh, you incorporated and everything. So you incorporated because you were making a decent amount of money from the light bulb business.
2: And I didn't want to pay sales tax um, twice. On right.
1: Phone. Okay. 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 Um,
2: so then there was kind of a, a one year lull and my wife and I traveled a lot for the first year of our marriage, which was awesome because we trying to, we couldn't figure out that hotel manager thing. Like, can we make it work? Um, and so that was nice. That was a nice period of time. But then we realized that we can't, we had some turnover with staffing, uh, that, uh, <laughs> was needed. Um, so then we were back at the motel. And she still had a lot of friends at Target. And that was when Lily Pulitzer for Target, the big collection dropped. Yeah. Do you guys remember Remember, that? I remember
1: those days. I don't think Michael's reselling, but I, I was reselling during that time. I didn't get into it, but I knew there it was just it was too out here it was insane trying to get your hands on that stuff. It was insane. It was, it was crazy.
2: I lived in a small town where like we were just lucky enough to have a target. Well, you're in Minnesota,
1: like that's target headquarters, man.
2: It it is, (laughs) but when you're a couple hours like rural, I mean.
1: Oh, that is true, true. So
2: (laughs) they don't care about those bright prints of. uh, So we're talking about Lily
1: Pulitzer. In case you're listening to the podcast, you have no idea what it is. Lily Pulitzer is a designer and she did a collab if that's what you call it with target and when this stuff hit the shelves when was this like
2: 2014 i think it was 15 2015 all of 2015.
1: oh that stuff was it it was incredible like the flip game on that was insane all right go ahead tell your story now
2: well um so my wife knew it was going to be huge and so i was like all right i didn't even have an ebay account and we go into the store and she's seeing on, I don't know if it was Instagram or Facebook at that time that all of her friends were trying to get stuff lined up in the Twin Cities and it was all sold out. We walked into ours the next day and it was full. Like no one touched anything. And so we're like, all right. So we maxed out the credit cards. We spent like wow. $3,000 at that store. And I was like, this is crazy. Went home, threw it up on eBay, doubled our money in like four days. And I thought this is insane. Um, but eBay had the, seller limits. So we opened up three eBay accounts in like one day, I oh decided God. to jump through all those, dudes, uh, which I wouldn't recommend, but, uh, we were new, we had no idea what we were doing. And then I thought, okay, well the, these small towns still have stuff. Uh, all right, let me see who I know in Iowa. So I called a friend in Iowa and I said, Hey, go to that local target of like the really small town. And, uh, if you buy everything there, drive it up to the motel, I'll pay you $500 in cash above whatever you paid for it. And he's like, oh, done. Awesome. So nice. he made some money and we bought out three targets in rural areas. And um, yeah, that was my first big reselling thing. And so then I started jumping on YouTube like, wow, I want to learn more about this. Uh, I heard about the subreddit flipping, which mm-hmm. I learned a lot from. Um, watched a lot of resale rabbit on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And he started talking about... Um, and I think rake and profit back then. So I was kind of watching those two guys thinking, wow, these are a couple of really hyper guys, but they, uh, know what they're talking about apparently. Um, so then I did the Goodwill outlets a little bit cause I was kind of hooked. Um, and I hated it. I hated mm. it so much. <laughs> I didn't like the dirty clothing. Um, just didn't know anything. Didn't really know brands. And, uh, so I quit and I didn't resell for a while until, I found an auction that kind of changed my life. And this was uh, the Gardening Club of America went out of business. And so it was their bankruptcy auction. And I had heard of Amazon FBA because it's like, you know, I don't want to... I heard of Amazon FBA. I knew that this had a lot of large quantity items. And I knew that this is what was good for Amazon's platform. So I signed up for Amazon And I bought 7,600 of these gardening weeders. And uh, I paid, I think, like $4,100. And it's like, all right, I'm going to learn Amazon. And uh, I shipped them in. And the second month, we had gross sales of over $10,000 on one item. And I thought, that's insane. Um, And uh, I mean, that one deal has still been the best deal I've ever had. Uh, We've made over $50,000 in profit on that $4,100. In initial investment it's just crazy
0: that's great so so auction are you still are you still doing auctions is that something that i mean if you had that kind of success at an auction i'd imagine that that would be like your go-to I've been chasing that high ever since <laughs> uh
2: yeah i buy at auctions but it's super rare to find like brand new case-backed uh you know consumer products mm. at an auction like that especially one that had like that was a it stays around 4,000 rank in lawn and garden on Amazon. Mm. So it's just a killer product. Wow. Um, yeah.
1: So what, what's your current, current model look like? Okay, so now it's present day. So do you do Amazon and eBay or do you do other platforms? Are you fast, or? Are you slow down? Like what, 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 how does the, I guess, month to month look like in your reselling business?
2: So to get to that, I have to almost tell you that, uh, you know, so I've lost my Amazon account twice just because of like buying stuff on the gray market um, where you might not have official invoices. So I got kicked off the platform once and then again, and that was right when I was at kind of my peak in terms of monthly sales when I had uh, just a lot of stuff going on. And so when you say
1: gray market, what do you mean by gray market?
2: Gray market? Like uh, if something gets taken by a liquidator and sold by a liquidator or like I consider retail arbitrage, the gray market. Um, I, I don't know if it's the correct term. I don't know if I'm just... No,
1: I've heard the term. Actually. No, no, it's used. It's used. I, I've We've read news stories that use the term gray market and they refer retail arbitrage as an interesting one because there's a lot of people that argue on Amazon that receipts work. Then there's others that are like, no, it must be invoices, right? And it depends what influencer right. you're listening to. And I personally know people that have used receipts and it worked. I also know people that use receipts and it didn't work. And it all depends on, I guess... What whatever Amazon wants to say, but my question to you is: So you're at your peak. To, I, I want I want our listeners to listen to this because I always talk about the Amazon dropping the hammer, but I personally have yeah. never had the hammer drop on me yet. Oh, hopefully never.
2: So it's terrifying.
1: So so talk to me about if you're okay, unless you know you're so traumatized.
2: Yeah. No, I've, I'm traumatized, but I need to share it. <laughs>
1: okay, so how did that happen the first go
2: around? So honestly, I don't remember um, because it's two. So I know. <laughs> it was I know that traumatizing. Them, I don't remember which order they came in. Okay. One of them was um, someone hijacked the listing for that gardening tool. So it's like the one thing that brought me here was taking me away. They edited it. They, they edited the pictures. They changed everything on it. And then they filed mine they they put in a claim that mine was not as the description.
1: So Brandon, how can someone do that? I've always wondered that. I have no idea. Okay. Because sometimes you know how it is, like you'll source something and it comes up restricted, but it's, it's restricted on Amazon, not because Amazon doesn't allow you to sell it. There's usually like a problem with the keywords or something with the picture or there's something off. And somehow right. somebody like a month or so down the road, randomly fixes it and you go to scan it and it's now not restricted and it's, and it's because of, so you don't know, you don't know how somebody edits that, huh? I have
2: no idea. Okay. So if um, somebody in the comments tell could tell us, idea. I'd
1: like to know. What's
2: yeah. It? So, I mean, eventually someone fixed it back because the tool that I'm talking about is a brand name. Like you've seen this in stores. It's a popular item, a popular brand. And so, and the pictures that they changed it to was like clearly a private label, mm. you know, didn't look as nice. Uh, so someone ended up fixing it. But then I... Uh, so I now sell that product on a different account, which we're not going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, so that's the one time I got banned. The other time was... Wait, so um, you got banned because
1: the listing it's banned, itself got banned. Suspended. Suspended. But because, because the listing suspended.
2: Because of that one. For okay. some reason. Okay. Uh, the other time was... Uh, it was like four different complaints about inauthentic. Um, one of them, I honestly don't know if it was an authentic item or not, but I was able to get an invoice from my previous supplier. Oh man. And got it through. And it was, so because of that, I have, um, tried to spread out my sources of income a little more. And so I've really been focusing on eBay this year. I want to take home as much money on eBay as I do on Amazon, nice. which I've never done before. So that's the goal.
1: Okay, so tell us a little bit about. So you got suspended twice. You're still running with Amazon. What What are some words of wisdom you would give to someone? Because FBA to me is like the flashy, like you know, like if you want to be a guru, like you want to be rich, you got to do Amazon, like right. And and Mike is it? My Mike's a good balance to me because Mike's always like, would you just make the same amount doing eBay? and not have to go to all these stores or put your account at risk. What are some words of wisdom you give someone who's brand new that says, Hey, I really want to do Amazon FBA. There's so much scalability. What would
2: you tell them? I'd ask them why they're trying to scale, you know, what they're, what they're going for. Um, I don't know, you know, cause for so long I was just trying to chase those higher gross sales numbers. And I didn't really know why when someone would ask me and, uh, now I'm, my advice is, hey, figure out what you enjoy doing and just do that. Like, if you can figure out a niche inside of reselling that you're good at, that there's opportunity near you and that you enjoy, focus on that. Mm. So if it is Amazon, go for it. But you have to enjoy it.
0: Oh, that's good. Um, And now you said you're kind of trying to shift your model from Amazon to make as much or more on eBay um yeah what is what does your process look like for that how are you sourcing for ebay what is your experience been on ebay as opposed to amazon
2: well ebay i really didn't care about when my amazon account was really growing and so i'm trying to get good habits for ebay because for amazon i've never done merchant fulfilled i've always done 100 percent fba because i'm a pretty messy person and so it's nice to just like put the inventory in a box and send it away uh where for eBay. My biggest mistakes on eBay is I just lose the items, mm. and uh, that hasn't been good. But uh, so that's something I'm trying to learn. Uh, my average selling price on eBay is over four times higher than it is on Amazon, mm. and so I just because it's like, you know, when I value my time and I try to figure out how much money am I making per hour for every hour of the day that I'm working, I realize that if I'm spending time trying to make five or ten dollars on eBay items it's probably not worth my time to pack it, list it, ship it, unless it's something that can just go in a poly mailer. Um, and then I'm also in kind of a season of where I'm just trying to learn new niches. I'm trying to, um, do something, do more of what I enjoy, which is learning. And so lately I've been doing a lot of appliance parts. Um, I've been buying like three wheelers, trying to figure that stuff out. And, uh, I don't know. I I like taking on big challenges. Last year I bought, uh, Tim Hortons came to Minnesota and they had like a big conflict with the franchisor up in Canada. And so they closed like 20 locations all at once and they had only been open for a year. And I ended up buying like three or four of their drive-through sets, like everything, the headsets, the actual drive-through panels outside, everything, but like the sliding window. (laughs) And, uh, what I didn't know then was if it doesn't fit on a four you know a forty eight inch by forty inch pallet, it's incredibly expensive to ship. Mm. And these things were like seven feet long. And so <laughs> oh that was an adventure on its own. But I don't know where you started this question, but it ended
0: with me saying the length of a drive-through. That's okay. Now, that's awesome. I was going to say, so you're, and Orlando kind of mentioned right at the beginning of this, that you sell a lot of big things. Now, it sounds like you're selling a lot of this stuff on eBay. Do you do big things locally too, or using like Facebook marketplace and offer up and those types of things? Or are you like, you know what, this stuff goes on eBay. I don't mind, you know, selling it and shipping it, even if it's big.
2: Yeah. I mean, the big stuff, when I'm sourcing big stuff, I need to make a really good return on it, um, and generally, like because reselling is all about market inefficiencies, right? So, if I can get um, a really, really, really big, like I just bought a bunch of mailboxes from. It was part of a uh, University of Wisconsin. They had twenty-five, like separate mailboxes that someone had on Facebook. Bids had it on Facebook Marketplace for sale for over a year. Oh wow! And I came in and I bought each mailbox for five dollars, <laughs> and uh, I threw them up on eBay. And because I'm not afraid to ship it, um I've been selling them for between sixty-five and eighty-five dollars a piece, wow. and I only have a few left. So,
0: yeah, and that's big crazy. No, like it. that, that's fun. that's actually awesome. I mean, I'm I'm really nervous about big things. That's one thing I need to learn a little bit more, is like the shipping. And like you said, like even like. Shipping stuff on pallets and things like that. Um, I, I tend to to ship. I mean, I, I do what I would consider a bigger item would be like, all right, I'm sending out a VCR, you know, or a or mm-hmm. a a record table or something like that. Um, but I mean, clearly, I mean, you're you're finding success shipping big things. And I think you're right when you say, like, okay, market inefficiencies and and Orlando and I have talked about this in the past of, you know when you're only selling on Facebook Marketplace or selling on offer up, you're reaching a small audience. So you can tend right. to get better deals because, Hey, the person who really wants that item and is willing to pay for what it's worth might be 800 miles away, 600 miles away, whatever it is. Um, but you know, I've always just been a little nervous. Like what, where did you get the experience of shipping big things? Did you just jump right into it? Did you lose some <laughs> he money? Just on not tell, remember? <laughs> I just jumped
2: right into it. I, I had no idea. I don't remember what my first big item was, honestly. Um, I YouTubed, how do I ship something on a pallet? I don't know anyone that works at a warehouse. I just figured it out, man. Um, Such an
1: entrepreneurial spirit, like that. I don't know.
2: A lot of people. I, I chased the big deals, and uh, I was like, "Oh man, now I have to figure this out." But the biggest shipping headache I've ever had by far was, and I like because a year and a half ago I bought, I didn't buy, I got a nine-hole mini golf course for free. Um, I just I had to that ship it. And so I called a courier company and they handled everything for me. And it, it cost a lot. It was like $500 to have it shipped like 10 miles. But you know, each piece had to be lifted into the uh, dock truck and it worked out.
1: It was profitable, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I made them pick it up, So I did local pickup only on an auction. So what was the profit uh, on that one? I don't, I think it was like, I think I sold it for about $2,500. Okay. So, and my uh, cost was just shipping, so I think you know with eBay fees, maybe fifteen hundred bucks. Nice. Yeah. All, right. all
1: right. So I want to talk. About, so you you talk a lot on your Instagram. You're in a rebuilding phase. What do you mean by that? Like, what? What? Why are you rebuilding?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, so when I left the motel, I knew I had three years because our contract at that point was a three year contract, and so it's like, all right. Uh, I know that I can make enough money to kind of support me and my wife uh, during these three years. Let's see what happens. And we grew a little bit too big, too fast. I took on a lot of debt at 20% interest. Um, Loan sharks love me by the way.
1: Mm.
2: And that includes Visa.
1: Now was that debt debt (laughs) for capital or debt just to, to make it?
2: That was debt for, well, it started out as inventory debt. And then, when you have your money tied up in inventory and then you get your Amazon payment every two weeks and that money should go towards inventory debt. Uh, when you have a lease uh, at the time I had um, someone on staff. Uh, I mean, it just life got expensive and all of a sudden I ended up in um, quite a bit of debt pretty fast. And then, excuse me. Um, so then shortly thereafter, uh, sales started to slow down. I bought a, like I got excited when I had the money. So I bought a lot of things that were way longer tail than I expected. And they weren't necessarily bad purchases, but they were bad for the season that my business was in mm. knowing that like I wasn't going to get my money back out right away. And so, uh, I mean, we ended up, we were going from like 80,000 a month down to $15,000 a month. Mm. And we needed to do about 40,000 just to keep the lights on. So that was a struggle. Um, so I had to lay off the employee. Um, I started driving for Amazon Flex, which is like the Uber where you deliver packages. And uh, my wife was eight months pregnant at the time, which oh, wow. is a wonderful time for that. So, uh, so fast forward two months or one month because kids are born at nine months. Um, my son was born. He was sick when he was born. And so he was in the NICU for the first week of his life. Mm-hmm. And so like, everything went on pause. Um, and I ended up moving back home into my parents' house, like leaving our, I still had, I was still on the hook for my warehouse lease in the twin cities. Um, got out of our condo lease and, uh, basically just had to rebuild from ground up, even though we had minimum debt payments every month of a couple thousand dollars. So, uh, that was a year and a half ago. Um, and we're in a completely different place now. Thanks to, uh, humbling myself and moving in
0: with my parents, essentially. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too
1: busy to list or wanting a scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Cellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Cellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers two, five. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle
0: 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners. If you were to sign up, Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So... First of all, is list perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month. If you use our affiliate link, you don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. <music> uh. No, I mean, that's that's actually, I'm glad you share that because, uh, you know, a lot of times people look at, you know, people who are successful and they almost just imagine that they've had it easy the whole time. There haven't been difficulties. There haven't been setbacks. But when you look at anybody's really, really successful, oftentimes they have these stories, right? They have the stories of, you know, things went wrong. Maybe it's outside influences, things that kind of come, uh, uh, you know, that that have impact you, you know, the your son being in the NICU or your child being in the NICU. My, my son was in the NICU for for a week and I just remember just how... You know, devastating and, 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 you know, the anxiety that that can bring on you. Um, so you got those outside influences. And then you also have, you know, mistakes that we make along the way. And then, like you said, to be able to say, like, okay, like I need to, I need to reevaluate, kind of humble myself and say, going to move in with my parents, going to get this figured out and rebuild. Um, and that I think is what really separates the people who are very successful and the people who ultimately. Um, and success might not, might not even be the right word, but the people who are willing to overcome and willing to, to push forward as opposed to those who kind of just wallow and stay where they're at. And then things, you know, kind of get worse and worse. So, um, where would you say you're at now that you can kind of look back and say like, okay, I'm, cause you said you're at a different place, a better place. Um, where do you, where are you at now? And where do you see, you know, yourself going and when this is all going to kind of be behind you and you can kind of look back and laugh?
2: Well, I mean, I don't want to say thanks to COVID because, like, it's such a weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. We get it. We get it. But I mean, I I mean, if you sell online at all, you know, March was an insane month, Mm -hmm. and then the months after have been great. Uh, But you know, I have friends that own restaurants and car dealers, you know, just other businesses that are really struggling right now, and so it's weird to be like super excited about what's going on in the world and everything else. But uh, we were in a really good place before that. And then that kind of pushed us to where we are. Uh, we only have kind of one big debt left, which put us into a spot where, you know, we don't have to (laughs) live with my parents anymore. Uh, we do, we're, we're in transition now. Hopefully that'll change in the near future here. Um, but yeah, so I mean that humbling myself has allowed me to truly succeed. I feel more confident in who I am. Um, in terms of like, I don't need the flashy things mm. to show that I'm a success. Uh, I'm more thankful and more, I, I get to spend more time with my wife and my son than I ever had before. I mean, obviously I've been here the whole time. My son's been alive, but you know, when I was, when I had the warehouse and I was struggling to make ends meet, I was working, you know, 78, 80 hours a week. And now, uh, you know, I, I don't work 40. I haven't worked 40 hours in a long time. Mm. And, uh, and we're, we're doing well financially. So what, uh, what has
1: been the big jump that's reduced your hours from 80 to 40?
2: Uh, I don't buy good deals anymore. I only buy great deals. Okay. And, and I don't do things that I dislike, which is if it's a great deal, but like there's a nasty sticker on here, I'm going to walk away I'm not going to spend an hour peeling a sticker on an $8 item. Mm. Um, And so that, and then I built relationships with suppliers a little more to where, um, you know, I, I really only shop about once a week at most and then I thrift occasionally, but that's just for fun. So. And you're
1: full time and is your wife full time or does she also work?
2: No, my wife uh, is in full time school. So we've been cash flowing school as well. The day brand is nice. Interesting. (laughs) So talk to, talk to us a little bit since
1: we have our level up review with uh, Dave Ramsey's Totally Money Makeover that we, we've we been reviewing. How, when did you start applying that and how? And, and you know, did you go all in like envelopes or did you? <laughs> Sorry to know. Or So when you say Dave Ramsey, what, what do you mean? Because it's, it's part of the process. I think people need to learn because I know we have a lot of our listeners that to me, even uh, I'll explain for myself. When I remember when I read the book. I'm like, this is so crazy. Like envelopes or like the fact that I have to actually budget fund money. Like that's terrible. I don't want to do that. Right. So talk to us a little bit how you got to that process and what, what did you guys do?
2: Well, we took the financial peace university as part of our premarital counseling, Okay, uh, which I highly recommend. Um, but I was too smart for it back then. Mm. Um, and it took just a couple of mistakes along the way to realize, whoa. Uh, let's start looking at this stuff. So I I agree with most of what he says um, to the point where I just don't act like I dispute him. Um, the one big thing is his first thing is you need $1,000 in the bank before you pay down debt. And I just think, you know, he hasn't changed that number since like 1995. It's <laughs> true. <pop> that up. <laughs> but uh, I mean, other than that, the, I don't know. I we, we tackled debt like crazy. We paid off about forty thousand dollars in the last twelve months. Wow. It's been unreal and awesome. That's good. Okay. So so you don't do
1: the envelopes, but you're definitely you did some of the snowball, you paid off some of the credit cards. We budget every month. Yeah. Okay.
2: And I budget I have a personal budget and then I budget for the business. And so I have a weekly budget for how much I'm gonna spend on inventory, uh, with rollover dollars. So like last week I didn't spend much money, so I spent like this week's and last week's budget all today. Nice. And so what uh, if, What about, I'm
1: done. what if a great deal though comes along and it's over your budget? There's
2: always another deal. Okay. That, always another deal. That's, that's, a, that's a tough discipline. one.
1: That yeah. is. I. And I get where you're at. I mean, there was a point in time I I was, like now if there's a deal, I'm like I'll make it happen. But I was just watching somebody on Instagram today who does, they do really well. They're excellent at what they do. But they were saying, like, I don't know how I'm gonna come up with the capital to buy this but I'm gonna make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel that there's a divide amongst entrepreneurs. Entre- I don't even know if it's entrepreneurs, but I I know some people that are like like you, and and I think I'm kind of like you in a little way that I won't spend an obnoxious amount. Like if I just can't handle it, like I'm not gonna do it. And then there's others that are like, this is too good of a deal. I need to make this happen. Right. And so mm-hmm. What, so are you saying that all you've gone through has made you not be that person that I'm going to make it happen no matter what to, I'm going to be disciplined and wait for like delayed gratification for inventory?
2: Well, I mean, that's how the appliance part started because, you know, I think I spent, um, at that point, my weekly budget was a thousand dollars in inventory and I wanted to turn a thousand into 3000. So I had, I'd spent like $900 so far and I had like a hundred dollars left. And I had time on my hands because it's like, all right, that stuff is all shipped. What am I going to do? And I found this really bizarre, uh, I'll just call it a dryer because I don't want to tank the market because I just bought another one of them. Um, so, I bought this really strange dryer. I'd never seen it before. It was like $75. And it took me a couple hours to take it apart. But that, I pulled parts off of it and I made over $1,000 on a Ooh, single dryer. Wow. And I thought, whoa, you know, money isn't... You know, cause there's, you only have three resources that are limited, right? You have time, you have money and you have space. And so like time you can, like if you hire somebody, you are no longer limited by your time. if you start hiring people and money. You can either grow your own, you can borrow, you can do that. And then space, you guys are in San Diego. So uh, you're not buying drive throughs over there. Right. Right. Um, and so I recognized that like, Hey, I have the space to take apart appliances here. Um, I have the time because, you know, what else am I going to do? I've already shipped in my inventory for the week and, uh, yeah. And I wanted to learn it. So I, I think when you build parameters around what you're going to do, and then you try to thrive within those parameters, you can just, it'll knock your socks off what you can do.
0: Wow. That's interesting. And I'm really interested in the fact that like, you know, you're, you're buying things, you're taking it apart, and you're selling parts. I know a lot of people make a lot of money doing cars and things like that, that way where they'll sell individual parts off of it. Um, and I recently, you know, bought a go-kart and I'm trying to fix it up and flip it. And I know nothing about uh, machinery. I don't know anything about engines. All that yeah. stuff is just so bizarre. And, and I can learn those things. I mean, YouTube is great. It doesn't take a lot to learn. But uh, did you grow up tinkering with, with washers and dryers and that type of stuff? Or were you like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to learn it and figure it out. Uh, I
2: mean, I was always getting dirty. I had a metal collection, but um, which is it's a weird thing for a kid to collect. But <laughs> when I, I ever find something, uh, my favorite show on TV was Junkyard Wars. It nice. was on Discovery way back when. Um, and my dad built hovercrafts. He, he worked for uh, Universal Hovercraft out of Illinois. He he like designed some of their stuff. So he's brilliant and loves like building and taking on crazy projects. And so he's kind of given me the attitude of like, you can do whatever you want, just try to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. I mean, I, I'm, it's interesting you mentioned Junkyard Wars. I haven't thought about that show in years, but yeah, that was like a favorite of mine. And it's a great show. But it's crazy to think like I watched that show all the time. That and uh, like uh, what was it, Battle War or uh, Battle Robots, the Robot Wars or whatever that they yep. would do. And uh, I, so I love those things, but I just never got my hands dirty and actually tinkered with things. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's gotta be so much money in that stuff because I mean, just as a, a, it's totally unrelated, but my wife has a pair of nice sunglasses. They're super expensive. And like the earpiece came off. And so she was looking at buying new sunglasses and I'm like, why don't you just see if you can find like the little earpiece for it. And so we're trying to figure out what are these things called? How do you find the right model? And you can find people on eBay selling you know, just those pieces for $30, $40. And I'm thinking, yeah. how many people are throwing away sunglasses? You can go pick up a pair of, of trash sunglasses. The lenses are ruined, but you can still make money off it because you're parting out pieces that people do need.
2: I did not know that that niche existed. That's fascinating.
0: Right? We're going to edit yeah. this from the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're all just going to dive in on sunglass parts.
1: All right. So, and this is the last time I'll go back into this, into your, into your trauma or your learning lessons. So what are the, what are some takeaways from, from all of that? Because, you know, obviously now you look back, you know, you've, you've matured in, in your business and and you understand things more. So you, you said you only go for great deals. Now you only go for good and not good deals. You budget like your inventory, like the capital that you're going to spend. Are there any other things that you would do different?
2: um <clears throat> it took me too long to sign up for inventory lab okay and that was a game changer for me when it came to like tax return time and and even the reports that you can run within inventory lab where you can say supplier profitability uh, item profitability and um, just basically really diving into the data and figuring out hey where am I making money where am I wasting money where am I wasting time and then just like the Pareto principle, just focus on the twenty percent that's giving you the eighty percent of the results. Right. And so, I wish I did that earlier, but I've learned a lot of things along the way that I can say no to.
1: Okay. So, and so for our listeners that don't know what Inventory Live is, Inventory Live is a software for Amazon where it it can it gives you all kinds of reports. So it'll tell you, you know, you put in how what a cost was for an item, and it'll tell you what the net profit is based on the price of the market. And it also, you can determine, it'll tell you like where you can put in where you bought items and then you can see, okay, where should I source again? I mean, there's so many reports and I'm with you. Like I, I didn't do inventory lab until probably my ninth year in Amazon. Wow. And actually this last month I've done zero. (laughs) So, so I, I, I started doing it last year. And it was great. It was great. But now I haven't. I have some items I've been picking up that I don't even need to look at. I, like I, I'm gonna make money, and so I haven't even used Inventory Lab. I've just been. Well, I, should I admit that I've been commingling my products? I don't know. A lot of people give me flack about that, but if you don't know what that means, you're fine by me. All right. If you if, if you don't know what that means, so on Amazon you're allowed sometimes to ship things into the FBA warehouse without printing a label for it. You just use the manufacturer's barcode. The danger with that is. If you get an, in th- an authentic claim or if, you know, they're going to ship whatever pops up. So it may not be yours that you shipped in. It might be somebody else's. And that's where the problem lies. Where if you have labels, it's only going to be the one that's connected to your label. And so a lot of, I, man, when we got on Instagram, I got so many people that were like, Orlando, what are you doing? You're co-mingling. Like, don't do that. And I haven't commingled in a while, but this last time, the velocity of sales, I was like, I, I got to ship things out as fast as possible, so I'm not going to label. And I'm sure I'm going to get some comments in the YouTube for that, but it is what it is. So I wanted everybody to know what Inventory Lab is in case you're lost. I think it's a great software program. You just got to find if it, if it works for you, but I would say it works for 99% of people. Is that fair?
2: That's fair. Yeah. Okay. And there might be a better software out there, but uh, I like what I have going on. And so I have no reason to leave.
1: Okay. So now what's your week look like now? So you're saying 40 hours. What's it look like now that you're full time? How do you, I mean, some people are looking for a day to day. Do you, are you a day to day guy or you're like, whatever comes across?
2: No, no, (laughs) no, I need to work on that. Uh, starting this fall with, uh, you know, the next semester starting, um, for my wife in school, uh, I will be working Mondays and Tuesdays all day. And then, um, half day Wednesday and then uh maybe a half day on Fridays. And so one of those days I'll do like a full day of buying and then the other days will be shipping and listing and uh liking pictures of pure hustle podcast on
0: Instagram. <laughs> nice.
1: Nice. Appreciate that. So uh
0: no, that's good. So what is um uh, I wanna hear more about your 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 journey into eBay. So you say you do some thrifting, you know, kind of for fun. Uh, you know, for yourself type of a thing. Uh, what are you doing now to kind of shift more and more of your business over to eBay? Are you, is, is your sourcing through vendors or are you trying to do more sourcing through um, retail arbitrage for eBay or for garage sales, thrift stores, that type um, of thing?
2: Yeah. I don't really sell consumer products on eBay. I do a little bit, but I do a lot of tools, um, restaurant equipment, that kind of stuff, stuff that I can buy in auction. Uh, mostly weird stuff, stuff that I've like never seen before, and look up. And thought, "Ah, strange. Got to be worth something." And, I'm bent it is. I'll throw it up there. You so, are
1: love- you are a modern day it. treasure hunter. Like I, oh, I love it. You I do. Like I pregnancy. couldn't do what you do. I couldn't just randomly buy stuff I didn't know. Like I, there was a period I could, and now I, I just oh man, I just. Whew. You like the discovery part, is what you're saying.
2: I do. I do. It's it brings me joy because I get to learn about something new and it's like, whoa, um, like this last week I I didn't end up buying any of it, but I spent a few hours researching like advanced paint mixers because Sherwin Williams was closing one of their distribution centers. And so it's like, all right, how does this work? Is this worth anything? And it turns out when it's like a massive industrial paint mixer, there's not a lot of buyers. Right. So didn't buy any. But so how I'm did you,
1: you find that out? Was it a simple sell-through rate number on eBay? or well, a lot of
2: that stuff doesn't sell on eBay. A lot of okay. it sells on like, um, I think it's Machinery Trader or there's a really big one out of Evansville, Indiana that I've tried to sell some big stuff on before. I had a pallet inverter last year. That was uh, a big loss. Um, tell tell us a story about that. Pal- what's a pallet inverter? So I was on Craigslist and a company... It's hard to explain it it lifts a pallet in the air and it turns it 180 degrees and then it sets it back down on its, on its top. And so it's used in applications of like uh, print shops. Um, th- this company, it was a publicly traded company that made uh, gift cards. And so I had to sign like a ton of non-disclosures. Mm. So it was free on Craigslist. And so I, I went there and I show up and the guy said, Hey, you need a professional rigging company to remove this. Because, or because you need to have insurance because like, you know, we're a real company. And <laughs> I, uh, I said, man, okay. So I called the rigging company and I got a quote for $2,700 to remove it. And so it's like, whoa, this free thing on Craigslist that I think is worth $15,000 is now costing me $2,700. And so I went home and I thought about it for a while. And then I called the company that was trying to get rid of it. And I said, hey, I'll take it from you, but uh, you're gonna have to pay me $2,700 and uh they wrote me a check wow <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> I, I couldn't believe it so i got it for free that's a hustle yeah. right there it's a hustle that is uh, awesome i, I mean it, it would have been better if they said no and i walked away because <laughs> i ended up paying 150 a month in storage I but you must have felt
1: money. really good though when they're like sure we'll write you a check and you get a check and you're
2: like what do i do now i should have asked for five. Oh, they were so quick to say yes um Anyway, so I paid six months of storage, ended up giving up on it, uh, called a local auctioneer to auction it off. It sold for like $100, which was less oh, than the man. auction fees. So I walked away from it and uh, I had it listed on this big machinery trader website and I get a call not even a month ago. Uh, someone was interested in it at like the $10,000 price. Uh, and so it's like, oh. man, if I just held out a little longer and paid that 150 a month.
0: Oh, that's rough. Could you have, uh, um, as soon as you got it on the rig, could you have taken it to like a scrap metal place and like recycled it and made some money off of it? So they would have paid for you to just ship it there?
2: The cost to bring it to the scrap yard is more than what it was worth in scrap. Wow. They're about the same. You know, I bet you scrap is way down. I don't even know what it is per ton right now, but this thing weighed, uh, you know, at least six, 7,000 pounds, but um, you know, to bring it to the scrapyard would have cost at least six, seven hundred dollars. So, I think it would have been in the hole on that.
0: Oh, that's crazy! <laughs>
1: that's 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 a wild story. Now, I'm interested. I'm really intrigued. So, you're saying that there are different sites outside of the normal things we think about, like eBay and so on, to sell big machinery. Yeah. How do those? I, I'm I'm really I feel like I'm a five year old asking you these questions. How do those work? Is it like you list it and there's pictures? I mean, is it can you look at comps on there? Like, how, what, what what's that look like? What, and what are they?
2: You know, um, I mean, you're just gonna have to Google, uh, okay. like, Ooh, the Google on me, okay? And then, no, like because Machinery <laughs> Trader is like a big general one but then there's a lot of specific websites for different.
1: Oh, Okay. Okay. So is it kind of like, I I bring it down to a level I understand. So there's reverb, which is a, is it's for instruments, right? So like a lot of people sell, you know, bass guitars or amplifiers on reverb. It's like eBay, but it's not, but it specializes in music.
2: Is that what you're kind of how this works? Exactly. Yeah. Because if someone's buying it from this website, they're going to assume that, the people actually know more about the item than if, like, some random guy like me, who <laughs> usually sells, you know, dirty old shoes <laughs> on eBay. So you need to like, be ready I to answer questions. EBay, where it's like twenty dollar item, twenty dollar item, twenty dollar okay. item, fifteen thousand dollar pallet inverter. Right. You know, I'm not going to get calls like, "Hey, you know, how old is the motor on the the third wheel?" And it's like, "I don't know anything about it." <laughs> <laughs> so I use this brokerage firm that appraises the machinery and everything, but. It didn't work out. That's
0: okay, and that's crazy. I mean, you've taken some really big risks. I mean, obviously, some of them pay off, some of them don't. Uh, but I'm interested because you went from, like you kind of said, like a, almost like a blind ambition. You were just you wanted to go for it. You did something huge. Um, looking back at like even the motel and you know the headache of that, but the success of that, and all of those things. So where do you see? yourself going from here like you're, you're at a place where you're rebuilding you're you're finally in you know you've dave Ramseyed your way out of a lot of stuff you're cash flowing your wife through through college so what does like the next five years look like what are you hoping for are you hoping like another warehouse another motel another growing or are you kind of happy just kind of keeping it smaller
2: i'm super open i'm super open um i mean it really depends on what opportunities will arise and there's a lot of opportunities coming through the pipeline because of what's going on in the economy right now. Mm. And so I, uh, the only thing I don't want right now is a small motel or a gas station, Mm. mostly because the gas stations in this area, like it's a quick trip or it's nothing. Mm. Those guys run this town. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'd like to buy one piece of real estate a year for the next 10 years. Wow, Um, It's kind of a a thought in the back of my head. Um, Yeah. And then just, Having, you know, I I had really big goals when I was 19 and just bought a motel. You know, I was thinking like, wow, Minnesota Twins in probably 20 years or so. Uh, You know, and then the Vikings five years after that. We'll see. Um, But, you know, now I my my goals aren't really there. My goals are more about like, hey, 10 years from now, I'm going to have a kid in middle school, uh, hopefully a couple of kids in elementary. Um, How can I spend the most time with them? And so what can I do now that puts me in the best position to be incredibly available from now and then and then from then beyond. Because I don't know how long I can sell on Amazon. I don't know, you know, what markets shift on eBay. I I, I don't know. And so by taking more money off the table and putting it into like long term investments, I feel like that sets me up super well for the rest of my thirties and then into my forties and beyond.
0: Nice.
1: All right. So I got I have some specific questions for you it's like technical procedural so at one time on instagram you had mentioned about so here the big deal for us is like i'm not going to get a warehouse because the cost of overhead for a warehouse in california is just obnoxious but you Mm -hmm. had mentioned something at one point that there are certain places where you can rent a portion or like a pallet of a warehouse
2: yeah that's available nationwide
1: so tell me a little bit about that i'm interested
2: um, oh, I just talked to one of my advisors yesterday. I'm I'm building up kind of people that are further along in the industry that actually want to give me time, which is fun. But, anyways, he does it. I've never done it. But the place that I priced out locally, they charge seven dollars and fifty cents per month per pallet, and then uh, an inbound fee and an outbound fee. And so, when you couple that with uh, having like a decent uh, relationship with like a courier service which you know do the dock and lift gate stuff okay um, explain get, that explain the
1: truck at macy's the other day what was that
2: oh that was just an ltl shipment um yeah. i live on a hill and that was just an amazon ltl shipment and uh he just refuses to back up some ltl drivers are just cowboys and they'll block traffic and they'll whip through <laughs> neighborhoods so when and you say ltl I, and we others. have a lot
1: of listeners that have no idea what you're talking about i know what you're talking about but what do you what do you mean by ltl
2: so LTL uh, just means that they deliver. You know, it's not the full truckload at once. They do several stops, and they'll do a pallet or two at a time. Okay. Um, so usually, anything less than like six pallets is sent LTL. Um, that's usually kind of the break-even point.
1: Yeah, and that's when you when you send it to Amazon. A lot of people you see on Instagram just send the boxes, but there's a point where you can send LTL pallets if you have a lot of inventory and actually it's super cheap because it's like cents per pound. And so it's worth it. Actually I should have done LTL while I was in Colorado, but I was in a hotel room. It would have been kind of, kind of (laughs) crowded. Like I just, it wouldn't have worked out. But you know, when you're sending out 13 boxes, that's pallet worthy. I mean, I I basically, I sent out two pallets, (laughs) you know, and it would have, I probably would have had more profit had I done it that way. So so it's good. Okay. Going back. So these spaces, you just, you just look it up. What are they called? Where do you, uh,
2: I mean I think you can just Google like warehousing services and then just make some calls. But for me and what I'm like going towards with that is, you know, we talked about it earlier how we have limitations of space and time and I have a lot of space here cause I am at my parents' house and it's great. But uh, all great things come to an end. Mm. Uh, I can't say my wife loves living here, um, <laughs> which is to be expected. You know, this is um, going to
1: this is going to air, right? You know, the like, <laughs> you, is, might, uh, be, common knowledge. Okay, all
2: right, all right. Just yeah. take it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, so at seven dollars and fifty cents a month, I have to figure out, how, like, what what does a warehouse cost in my area, and what does it cost to ensure, uh a warehouse employee or am I going to do all the work where if I can basically underwrite my deals to where, Hey, this might not sell for a year. Is it worth storing for $90 and then picking it up a year from now? Like, is that worthwhile? So I think that's the math that you have to do to make this stuff worthwhile.
1: Okay. That leads into my next question then. So my next question is, so I've been on the, on this road of holding items, and later on sent into to Amazon. I personally, myself, I, I failed at it. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. There were so many times I try to predict the market and go, hey, six months from now, this is going to go up in price. Those of you that have followed Pierce's Podcast from the beginning, you, you saw a lot of that probably in month three or four where I was sourcing for Q4 and I'm like, hey, when Christmas hits, this is going to go way up. And I was right, um, like 60% of the time, but there was 40% of the goods that I just ended up, selling at a breakeven point or at a loss. So explain to me, how do you make sure that doesn't happen?
2: I just buy it right. You know, like our okay. cost of goods sold on Amazon is less than 15%. Okay. And you know, I mean, when you're paying like pennies on the dollar, I can let it sit for a long, long time and, uh, I'll be fine with it. And I do end up throwing some of it away, but you know, when your breakeven is so easy to hit, um, and, and that's why I need that fifteen, per, like to be paying the fifteen percent, because it covers all of my mistakes, right? It allows me to donate a ton of stuff. Like, hey, this didn't work out. Let's go to Goodwill. Um, so, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Or no, it not. does.
1: It does. So the the key way not to lose a ton of money is
0: have a low price point, it's and al- then it doesn't matter how long you hold it. It's almost like uh, you're saying like buy low, sell high. Well, yeah.
1: Okay. I know, but, (laughs) but it's, it's at a, and, and I get it. I mean, that's, you know, right now for, and this interview isn't about me, but I will, I will only sell stuff on Amazon that I'm going to get my money back in a month. Like I, I have, I did, I did that game for a while and it just, it didn't work out for me, but it's very, I wasn't doing the low price points like you're doing like 15%. Like that, that's amazing. Like I could see myself holding onto stuff. I would make it happen. You know what I mean? Like it'd be worth it to me. Uh, and yeah, it's okay. It's like a big bulk buy for eBay. You buy a lot of stuff on eBay. It's okay. If you're going to have trash, maybe 25% of it because the rest of it's going to bring you good profit. So totally get that. Okay. Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah,
2: exactly. All
1: right. So you already talked about successes and failures, but give us a couple like, uh, you know, top tier successes that you had and And your, your low points, like your your things that you wish you never did in recently. Now you shared some of them, but do you have any more you'd like to share?
2: Well, um, as far as low points, which are, I find more fun to talk about. Um, right after I bought that garden tool, I thought I was, you know, playing with a hot hand. And so I found a lady on Craigslist that was selling her self published book. She had 1500 copies. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity! Oh, <laughs> oh man! And so I met her in like a Trader Joe's parking lot, and I gave her three thousand dollars in cash. Oh, and my gosh. I, you made her day. I made her day. I, she cleaned up. <laughs> I got two dollars each, and I can
0: sell them for fifteen.
2: I so that was five years ago, and I've sold like sixty copies in five oh, years. Gosh.
0: So you almost uh, have to become her marketer, her publisher at that point, you know, like trying to advertise her book to help her (laughs) to sell your product. (laughs) Well, and I know where she lives and I almost want
2: to drive over and say, Hey, could you sign a couple of these? Like, let's see if we can, you know, push this over a little bit.
0: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs)
2: But, um, so that was a loss. And I think that was good because it was like the yin and the yang of, I had a massive win. And then the very second product I ever bought was just a dog. Uh, and then after that I bought, um, a few hundred of these, like as seen on TV, um, they were store returned. It was like a two can as seen on TV can opener and I sold them as new. I didn't realize there were store returns cause I was new to the, mm. new to the business and that just destroyed my feedback on Amazon. So I had to mm-hmm. dig out of a hole for a while there, but it taught me a, a valuable lesson. Um, how did so, you recover from that? I just saw more stuff. All right.
1: You, know, the you numbers did, you, game, right. you didn't. You didn't try to use a feedback program or a third party. You know, that what I'm would talking
2: been about? wise. I'm sure that would have been wise. Okay. Um, I mean, I was selling junk. I deserved every negative feedback I received, and uh, you just got to learn from it. But uh, the <laughs> so a high point was I got two. One I kind of want to share. I'll share the. I'll share both. So these chemical mixers. A guy was selling 200 chemical mixers out of his. College, like apartment, right outside of the University of Minnesota, get eleven pallets of these in his garage. And I, I, showed up in a U-Haul, and I said, "What are you doing with all these things? Like, how'd you get them?" And he said that his roommate worked on like a, at some chemical company and found this price error, so he he got them for a penny each, oh, and he sold me for five dollars each, thinking he was just killing it. And I have sold. 30 of them so far, uh, maybe 40 at this point for a little over $200 a piece. That's been a huge point. Um, But it takes up a lot of space. So I still have, you know, I don't know, several left of that. So that was a big one. And then I found these chemical three packs. I'm going to be super vague, but a three pack of these chemicals, I was buying them for $2 for a while. It went up to $5. I was the only seller on Amazon. There was no active listing. There was a, like a dormant listing on Amazon when I found it, and so I just bought a couple and tested the market. And I paid five dollars for a three pack. I sold one chemical started at nineteen ninety nine. It sold like hotcakes. I bumped it up to thirty eight dollars, and I sold through um, like eight hundred of those units in two months. Incredible. And that and, that, and there was two other chemicals. Cause it was a variety pack, and so I'm going to be selling. I sell about one of those a day now. So they're That's not crazy. as popular as the other one, but. And those are moving at about 20. So that was the best find of my last year was that three-pack of chemicals. Yeah, Isn't that great? There's no competition.
0: Isn't that great? I always feel like, like you said earlier, there's always another deal. Sometimes, you know, I get a really good deal on something. In in my, you know, experience, I've had like a really good, some board game deals. I've had some good Department 56. Recently, I've sold a lot of like RPG books. And like you get one of those deals and it kind of carries you for a while, right? Like those are like where you're pulling in all your money. And then you're thinking like, how am I going to ever top this? But then, like you said, like all it takes is one or two of those a year, right? Like you don't have to be okay. getting those every single day, but sometimes we get that pressure on ourselves. Like I need to find another one of these today as I'm looking on, you know, I'm trying to source and find items. But, you know, if you get an a deal like that, like once every year or two, it kind of carries you. And then you find the, the smaller deals that kind of keep it going on top. But man, that's, that's such a, that's crazy. I mean, uh, the, the, the volume you were able to do there, the fact that you were able to break it up. And I think that's one thing a lot of people don't think about too, is just the fact that you can you can split things. I mean, I went to a a, a swap meet and a lady was selling, I don't know, some kind of chemical too. It was like a a, a fertilizer thing. And it was a, a, a multi-pack, like 10 of them in a box. And each one was selling for more than she was selling the boxes for, right? So those deals are out there. You can find them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just
2: a thrill. I absolutely love it it's what makes this business fun for me. Nice. All right. Well, do you have your question? So,
0: so, um, I always ask our, our guests and, and we, uh, we don't put this on the questions that we send out. So putting you on the spot a little bit here, but, um, so with everything you've been through in your life, you've had some, some, some ups some downs, lots of experience. You've learned a ton. Um, if you had the ability to, to offer advice, like a piece of life advice to somebody, somebody's come to you, maybe a, a young teenager comes to you and says, like, hey, what if I want to do better in life, like what should I do? If you can have like a phrase or like a motto that you live by that you would want to pass on to somebody, what would it be?
2: Man, I don't want to lead like lean too much into Dave Ramsey, but I think if you can live below your means and uh, just do more things that give you energy. Just like spend time doing things you love that also like pays you. You're going to have a great life.
1: Mm. No, it's That's true. Should sure, we talk, we, we say we preach that all the time, right? The fact that you don't have to make six figures to feel like you're living, like you have six figures. Like, I mean, six figures are nice. Don't get me wrong, but you can be wealthy as long as you live below your means. Like you can just, that's great, Brandon. No, I appreciate you sharing that. All right. where do you see reselling now in the next few years? Do you, do you think, do you, are you on the hype train? (laughs) Like everybody else, like it's going to be the most amazing, glorious next 10 years. Or you're like, yeah, it's going to be the same. Where where are you landing
2: here? I think it's going to continue to shift like it has. Um, I am bearish on wholesale on Amazon. I feel like new products on Amazon, it'll be harder and harder to make money. Um, because it's so like YouTube has made everything so accessible and people can learn how to sell on Amazon, uh, easily. Um, some of my top sources a couple years ago now sell on Amazon directly. And so I just feel like the supply chain is just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter hmm. as it's easier for a liquidator to bring the products to market. So I think that's going to happen. I feel like used stuff, vintage will never go away. Um, you know there's companies that are always going to be liquidating and needing to move stuff there'll always be inefficiencies in the market um, and there's always opportunity it might not always be retail arbitrage Amazon FBA it might always not always be appliance parts on eBay but there's always going to be something out there and you just got to stay up with it that's good Good
1: stuff. that's solid advice all right well hey Brandon thanks so much for being on the podcast so to follow you where does does everybody have to follow you again
2: uh, flipping a dollar on Instagram. Okay. That's and no, no YouTube yet? I just don't like to edit videos. <laughs> no, I, we, we, we get line.
1: it. <laughs> We're a podcast. We get it. We drop things every once in a while, but we get it. So, all right. Hey, hey, give Brandon a follow Flipping a Dollar. You won't regret it. Great stories. A lot of great information. And he's real about it. So, thank you, Brandon, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back like in a year or so and see, see where you're at. Yeah, follow up. So, all right. With that being said, hey, Thank make you sure go. to... <laughs> you're welcome. Glad to have you on. Make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Mm.